Hi, everyone. I'm Kelly O'Horo, and this is Adaptable Behavior Explained. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us today for our show. Uh, this is also part of our series, A Counselor Cafe, where I host and talk to other counselors about topics that plague all of us as humans and mental health conditions, and hopefully validate and normalize these experiences and give you some resources should you need them. Today, I'm excited to be doing part three of our new mom episode, and I have with me here Ratna Ganala, who is a fantastic EMDR therapist that works for Infinite Healing and Wellness, our company, and a new mom, and brings all sorts of authentic, awesome information to the table for us as uh, for new moms. And for those of you who haven't seen the first episodes of this series, the Parenting New Mom series, uh, I am a mom. I have five kids. I have a blended family. It's colorful. And my youngest, who is my only biological child, um, is 22. So we bring different aspects to this, this show. So if you didn't watch parts one and two, please go back and do that. It'll make a lot more sense if you do. And today we're going to talk about a few things related to after you've had the baby and all of the uh, experiences that we can touch on that happen to so many new moms. So let's talk, let's just dive in and talk yeah. about it. So um, like the first thing I want to talk about is hormonal shifts and the mood changes that happen after we have a baby. So want to kick us off? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't think anything could have prepared me for that. Right. I mean, I don't think anything could have prepared me for any part of becoming a mom, but I was just, especially as a therapist, right. I think I was really surprised by just the major hormonal shift that happens, right. You're pumped up with all these hormones during pregnancy and then it's just gone. Right. And I felt like I didn't even know myself. Wow. Right, early on, I was just, I just didn't even understand who I was because I was the way that I was acting, the way that I was thinking, feeling is just so unlike anything else that I've the, ever experienced. The previous you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, yeah, the emotional overwhelm. I, I don't even have words other than I, Completely Did, do you think you had, you know, do you think you had postpartum depression or what do you think yeah. it was like for you? If I, if I were to self-diagnose and I can, I'd probably, I'd probably diagnose myself with postpartum anxiety. Okay. What's, what was that like? What, yeah. what does that mean to you? So for me, I was doing all of the things, you know, I had to keep all the balls in the air. Um, I had to make sure everything was okay and just right. And I think I was a little bit delusional, <laughs> a lot of it delusional when I first came home from the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I'm sure How it was so? a hormonal shift, probably the drugs because of my C-section, you know, cause it takes I, a while for that to get out of your system. Oh, absolutely. Right. But I literally the day I came home from the hospital, my parents, my husband, they're spending time with my son. There's pictures of them from that day. And I am nowhere in those pictures. You know why? Because I was going around the house still trying to clean. Oh, my still gosh. Still trying. not. Yeah. 100%. Just having had surgery a couple of days prior, right? I'm walking around. I'm, like, picking stuff up off the floor. I Yeah. 
I don't know what other word there is for it, but delusion, <laughs> but that's just, I think it well, really it's the shoulds and supposed to. tos. It's the shoulds and supposed yeah. tos. And honestly, we're just going through such a powerless experience yes. that you're trying to gain some control over this completely new and foreign and chaotic experience of being a mom of a newborn baby. Well, for you having people around you mm-hmm. in, in your new home after a surgery, after becoming a new mom and you know, and, and, you know, I think we discredit our husbands are becoming a new dad as well. Yeah. And that's an entire other paradigm shift in our experience. You know, they, they don't know what they're doing either. And we really do bear the brunt of most of the responsibility because of our biology, because we are challenged to feed them and everything else, you know, and it's just, it's a lot. Definitely. And I think even me being so overwhelmed, um, and like settling in, figuring all of it out, um, I had done a lot of the work in terms of research and preparing. I mean, my husband was right along there with me with a, a lot of it. Um, but I think he really relied on me to know these things. And when I'm dealing with whatever I'm dealing with, that was an incredibly overwhelming experience for him to kind of have to step it up and figure stuff out and be in this really challenging position of taking care of me and our son. Yeah. And defaulting to wanting to do it the way you want it to be done Mm -hmm. because you're the expert as a counselor and Mm -hmm. you're the mom and you're ultimately a a bit more on the hook for some of the caretaking responsibilities just because of how we're wired. Right. So that's, it, it is, it's just so, so much. I can say that when I first had my son, I was still, you know, again, parenting my other three alongside. Mm. And I was really concerned about them feeling like they didn't matter now that we had this baby together. Because as I mentioned in an episode before, you know, my older three were from my husband's first marriage and they had had such a tumultuous start that I already carried so much guilt and fear and responsibility to try to do all of the things right to help mediate what they'd already been through. And what I didn't want is for this other child that I bring home to become a source of resentment or jealousy or envy or, you know, be the projected problem because it's not their fault, you know, that I bring a baby home that I had and I hadn't had them. And I was really nervous and trying to be really cautious so that they didn't feel different or separate from. And so I had that going on. And then I also didn't want to put him down. And I thought, can you kiss and hold and hug a baby too much? Is it weird? Like if I kissed him thousands of times in one day, is that going to be a problem? You know? And I didn't know because that's all I wanted to do was stare at him and kiss him and hold him. You know, and I just couldn't stop. I, everyone thinks their kid is the most beautiful baby in the world, but I just, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm actually the one with the most beautiful baby in the world. You know, I was just so madly in love. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it just this overwhelming feeling of love that I never, I don't think it's explainable and not to minimize those who haven't had a child, but, um, I don't think there's another earthly experience that changes us more than having a child. I mean, literally they're a part of you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I learned this last year that Mm. the cells that are in the baby and the cells that are in you while you're in gestation, they travel back and forth. So after Mm. delivery, they're literally still in you and you're still in them. So when we have this innate connection, where we're like, I just know. I mean, I have that more with my younger son where I can feel when stuff's going on and I'll, I'll call him, okay, what's going on? You know, I can just sense that something's up and uh, my husband will tease and he'll say, you know, it's because you guys never cut the cord and, you know, he teases and he, he claims enmeshment and, and I'm just like, 
you know, probably a degree of that was true, but there's also just this innate, I have to care about my offspring. Like that's my biological responsibility. And I am super fortunate that I feel like that about all of my kids. I think some moms who adopt or whatever, but I've had them since they were so little four, six and eight that not that I don't, um, value that they had experiences before me. In fact, I know that those experiences before me very much shaped who they became, but I'm like, oh, those are my kids. Don't you mess with my kids. And I feel so protective of them in the same way that I do of my biological child. So, you know, I think that that responsibility as a mother, if that's how you're wired and how you feel about your kids, it just sprawls, you know, it doesn't have any boundaries about where they are, what they're doing. I mean, we worry and we care about them. So let's talk about a a bit of a controversial conversation, breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. All right. And so for those of you who have really strong views on this topic, I really understand that because as a mother who did choose to breastfeed, I had a lot of, before I learned more about what can happen and why some people choose not to breastfeed or, or are not able to breastfeed. I personally had quite a bit of judgment because I think that I had some, uh, for those who didn't choose to, um, because I, I've done so much reprocessing with people on preverbal trauma and I've had clients that are, that they're, they're describing, they can smell their mom's milk and they Mm -hmm. don't know why their mom won't do it. And they, and they take it so very personally and it feels so primally interruptive. And I think because of my own work with clients over the years and how much that experience was necessary and important. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, if you have a baby, you need to choose to breastfeed unless there is a you know, a gravitational reason that you can't because they need that connection with you. And there's so, I mean, we could talk a whole episode on just breastfeeding about what our bodies will do and the pathogens our bodies creates to protect a child's immune system and all of these things. And so I'm thinking, you know, when my, and before I understood more about why people may not do it, um, like you have to, it's your, it's your job. Like don't have a kid if you won't do it. And so I had a really fierce Uh opinion about it and I chose to breastfeed and I'll tell a little bit more about that, but, but can you share with our viewers Mm -hmm. what your breastfeeding experience was like? Because honestly, you just touched my heart so much when you shared with me and, and it really helped to shift my perspective. And so do you, do you feel comfortable talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, of course they have you tried to start in the hospital And I don't know if it's because I was a new mom. Um, It takes a while for your milk to come in, which I didn't fully understand. Right. That experience in and of itself. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to breastfeed him. It's not really working. Um, And then we got to the point where his bilirubin levels were too high and he had to get the blue light therapy. And so it's like the middle of the night, two, 3 a.m. in the morning, the nurse comes in. They're like, we're taking him to the NICU. I was devastated, right? Um, and so when they're in that blue light therapy, they try to keep them under that light for as long as possible. And they only take them out every two hours for 30 minutes at most for them to be fed. I wasn't able to breastfeed at that time. I was still figuring it out. I certainly wasn't efficient enough to get him the milk that he needed to get it out of his system. Because basically what they do is they pump them with milk so that they poop the they're billy ribbon out. Yeah, they're yeah, flushing they're literally, system. Yes, they're right. flushing it out of his system. And so in order to make that efficient, they just bottle feed, right? We had to make the hard decision that at the hospital we were going to bottle feed 
and then keep trying for breastfeeding. But they use these nipples that are just ridiculous. You flip them over and it's like a faucet, right? (laughs) And so, of course, that's what he's going to want. Of course, he's going to become accustomed to not having to work at it the way you do. Yeah. He learned that eating is effortless. Right, right. And so, you know, the time that he was in the hospital, we, I continued to try to pump nothing. I was getting nothing. And we had to, you know, we had to feed him somehow. So he's getting bottle fed at the hospital, continued to try when we were back home and it just wasn't happening for us. He couldn't latch. Um, I worked with a lactation consultant that came and tried to help us and he started to latch, but this was like a month in. Oh my gosh. And at that point, because we hadn't gotten him to latch for so long, um, my milk supply had just really taken a hit. I was like pumping all hours of the day. He got to a point where he was sleeping somewhat solidly at night and I was still waking up middle of the night. He's sleeping. I'm awake trying to pump and I was just miserable. And exhausted. And oh it's gosh, like, yeah. you know, the whole point is that you want this connection. Yes. I mean, not just that they're getting yeah. this, you know, the, the perfectness of our breast milk, right. but also like the touch and the dopamine and the oxytocin and all the things for their yeah. co-regulation and everything that we know as attachment specialists that babies right. really get from that. And you know what? We get it too. Yes. When we, so you must've felt so devastated that you're over here like, wah, wah, I know, wah, like with your breast yeah. pump and like babies asleep. That made it's so much oh. worse, like being just hooked up to this machine, yeah. you know? And it's so mechanical um, and like took everything out of me. It really did. And, and so and how my, long did you do that for before oh you were my just gosh. like, this is uh, not Like working. two months. Ugh. Yeah. So you're two months, like up all night, baby sleeps through it. You're not getting that touch, that yeah. reinforcement, all those hormones that mm-hmm. are beautiful that we get from breastfeeding. Yeah. I'm so sorry that yeah. you went through that. I would, yeah, I would just keep trying and I was like tracking and just every week I would see it depleting, right? Your, your supply. supply. Right. Yeah. And my husband was finally just like, listen, you know, how long are you going to keep doing this. Cause the part two, that was really hard for me is I would be, my husband went back to work after a month. I was home alone with my son. He would be napping, whatever he would be crying. And I would be hooked up to this pump. And I'm like, do I stop? Do I go oh get like, do I just carry it with me? Cause I had one of the portable ones, <laughs> like, you know, and I was saying to my husband, you know, I feel like this is almost keeping me from being the mom that I want to be. Right. Because you want this thing you have to do in order to just manage the physiology of the milk supply. Right. And so I'm like, I want to be able to not have to think twice and just go pick him up, right? When he's, when he needs me. And at that point, was he latching some or was it just you're basically pumping to bottle? He was latching some, but he was still taking a full feed of formula. So I'm like, he's working so hard and really not getting what he needs. So you'd breastfeed and then you'd have to top him off. Yes. Oh my god. And top off meaning like a whole meal, oh right? My gosh. And so, you know, I I finally had to make the call that for my mental well-being and for me to show up and be the kind of mom that I always mm-hmm. saw myself being, that this was something that I had to just, you know, I just had to make the decision that it was right. time to stop, right. you know, and that he was going to be okay. Right. Thank you for, for, for sharing that. Like I said, I, there are, you know, there are people that say, I just am not doing it. 
You know, I can remember when I was breastfeeding and there's generational things too and stigma, Mm. you know, so when I was breastfeeding, my husband was from the East coast and we were in Rhode Island and we went to visit his grandmother and I'm breastfeeding my son. And she's just like, what are you doing? I'm like, Mm. I'm breastfeeding. She goes, with disgust, you know, because for her, it meant that's poor socioeconomic status and only the poor people choose to breastfeed. And this is, isn't that interesting? So it was just, again, it was like cognitive dissonance and what's true and right for a a child. I mean, we are, there's like a bazillion benefits of breastfeeding for our, for our children. And so, um, so, I mean, I was like shamed in the other direction that I had chosen that. And, and also Mm. the other piece of you should go somewhere and hide because Mm. we don't want to see that. And I never, I never adopted that thinking. I was just like, they don't like it. They can leave because this is what I'm meant to do. Now I'm not just sitting there boob out. I mean, I did throw a blanket over me, but I think high five to all the women that don't give a crap and they just do it because you know what? That's what it really should be like. We should be able to not be shamed at all for feeding our child. And I had mixed feelings. I'm walking through the airport and I see they've got like a breastfeeding station. And I was like, do we want to continue to reinforce that you need to go hide to do this? But then I thought, you know what? People have all different perspectives on it and some people don't feel comfortable. And so maybe they would opt not to feed their child mm-hmm. because they're in a public place. So then I, I, but I went back and forth with the idea of even having to go into this sequestered space yeah. to breastfeed, you know, because it shouldn't be something that, that society thinks we should do. We should do it wherever the heck you need to do it. Cause who the heck cares? This is like a beautiful, yeah. natural experience. So babies need to eat. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I just think there's so much that they don't warn us about with breastfeeding. I mean, yeah. do you remember when your milk came in in the first place? I was home and I was just like, you know, I was a pretty small mm-hmm. chested person and this milk comes in and I'm just like, what happened with these cantaloupes on my, and they hurt so bad, you know? Uh-huh. And my husband was like, Whoa, that's awesome. And I'm like, don't you dare touch because it hurts so bad. And I'm in the shower trying to like get some of it out yeah. because it was so painful and, you know, trying to get the latching yeah. and everything. It was just, it was so hard. Can I just say though, the whole latching thing, I wish that I knew more about how important that was. Cause right. literally when I had the lactation consultant come over and she got him to latch, I went and took a shower and I literally had to come running out of the shower and put on the things that like catch your milk because once he latched, it was just like body knows. Oh, yeah, here we let's go. go. <laughs> I mean, I wish that had kept up for me, but sure. you know, I was just like amazed at yeah. how instantaneous that right. can be when you get that. Well, and that I think latch, it's so, so important to ask for help because yes. you know, the, the fact that it has to be such a wider mouth than you would think, you know, you think it's just the nipple or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and you don't know what you don't know. And so it hurts so freaking bad. I mean, I remember I called it when he first would get latched on. I called it the razor blade, razor, razor blade uh, phase because it was like, I would just grip and hold on to Mm. something until that shifted because it hurts so stinking bad. And I, I feel like that happened for me for at least two months before Mm. it stopped being excruciatingly painful, you know, and then it's never mind the infections that happen to so many women because it's always moist. It's mm-hmm. like there's a yeast infection. So now you can only use this boob and like all these things they don't talk about right. that are just really painful. So I, I have to say that I am really grateful that I stuck it out. It was hard. He only um, breastfed for six months. I really did have the goal for a year, but he was so bored with me. And and I, I had a hard time getting away from the activity of three brothers. And all he wanted to do was watch them. So I'd have him latch. And then he's yeah. like, you know, he'd stop. I mean, he just wouldn't stay interested. And so even though I really wanted him to stay, he mm-hmm. just wouldn't 
he didn't stay. He was just like, this is too boring. I have stuff to do. And honestly, (laughs) that is in kind with who he is today. I mean, if it's boring, he's out, you know, he's just like not interested. Uh And so I was disappointed for that. I felt like I had failed. I felt like I had let myself and him down that I was doing something wrong. And of course that chicken egg thing, right? So the breast milk, you know, he's disinterested. And so he doesn't eat as much. And so then the milk decreases and all of that stuff. So it, and I introduced foods, you know, rice cereal back then is what the, the, the thing was, you know, do that first. Now I know there's all these other ways to feed mm-hmm. and we've learned so much, but I just think that it's so important that we talk about it, that we ask for help, that we, yeah. that we normalize all the different things. And then, you know, if you are someone who wants to breastfeed and you're feeling like you can't because, you know, your own attachment trauma, you know, I've met people who mm. they can't do it because it overwhelms their nervous system so much because it's so intimate and they can't handle the intimacy. Mm. You know, that is stuff we can reprocess with EMDR therapy yeah. so that you can move through that so that it's that you can still choose because otherwise you're dealing with the shame and the feeling like you've let the baby down and all those other things. And there's just a, there's just a block because of your own nervous system. So that's something we can work through. So, so one more thing that we've got to touch on before we wrap this series Uh up on being a new mom is the impact to our, our bodies and also our relationships. So what do you have to say about, about first, you know, the impact to your body? Oh man. I just remember looking in the mirror and I was just like, this is, this is not my body. Well, what is going on here? Right. Um, and what was really weird to me that was that there were like parts of my body that my husband had seen and how they had evolved (laughs) that I hadn't even seen. And then when I finally could like, you know, you know, like during delivery and everything. Right. Right. (laughs) And, um, so yeah, it's just, it's such a journey, right. As far as, and when you talk about that relationship change, right. Not just with your partner, but even with yourself and who you are as a person. Right. Um, and finding your new self, new identity. Yeah. 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 And trying to find grace for yourself for the gift that your body has given, you know, you, and that you've produced a whole entire human and, and that there's, there's a pretty significant cost to the wear and tear on the vessel that is the mom body. And I think that we have so many social expectations around what that's supposed to look like. I can remember Mm -hmm. my stomach had gone down and I was like, okay, this is recoverable. Like I feel that it's not the worst thing in the world. And I couldn't still get my pants done because my hips hadn't come back in. Uh I'm like, what's going on? Calling friends. Oh, it takes like a whole year before your hips go back in from the expansion. I'm like, geez, this just never ends. You know what I did? (laughs) What? I just bought new pants. (laughs) That was probably smart. We were so poor. I did not even yeah, have money yeah. to buy new no, pants. No, but I like, I like just did it because even mm-hmm. that, I haven't even really wanted to buy clothes or deal mm-hmm. with any of that because my body is so different. And then finally I was like, it's just where I we are. New pants. Okay. New pants. Size. Is, right? New pants, new size. It's all okay. Right. So. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, and, and what about the relationship? You know, we talked about our husbands are new at this too. They're a new dad yeah. uh, for some of us, you know, in my case, he had already had three, but he's a different person as he matures and evolves and grows. And so he's a different dad with number four than he was with the first three, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And, and so what was it like for you as a new, in a new dynamic of your coupleship? Yeah. I think just figuring out the new dance, right? 
there's so much more to do. There's so much more to think about, right? There were maybe so many things that we were used to doing just, you know, for each other. And we had found our dance because we were married for about a year, almost two years before we had our son. Um, And so, you know, it's just everything is new again. Mm -hmm. You have to figure it all out all over. And there are growing pains to that. The communication is so critical, I think. And I know that my husband and I, we're we're hitting about 25 years now. And Mm -hmm. I know our communication was just so much worse back then. And there was so much I still was uh, afraid to say or would avoid saying because I didn't want to disrupt or I wanted to please him and I wanted to make sure he was okay. I was so worried about his okayness all of the time. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the sacrifice of, of all the things that you're going through as a mom, uh, I don't think I gave myself permission to say things like, you know, I'm not in the mood. I have been breastfeeding all day long. I am exhausted. I am dealing with raising all these other kids. I don't have capacity to, to make yeah. sure I take care of you with intimacy or sex. And so I probably put my own needs aside at times during those early, you know, months because I, because you're supposed to, you know, a good wife does this. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's a huge Mm -hmm. piece. And then also for me, it was also the being vulnerable and intimate. And I looked so different and the noise in my head about, he doesn't really want to be having sex Mm -hmm. with me. Like, can we please turn the lights off? Like he can see, I can see this. Like, this is not what it used to look like, you know, and that took a while for me to feel comfortable again. And and then to, to get whatever my body was going to be back after babies to get that so that mm-hmm. I could return to feeling confident. So, yeah. you know, that was a big deal for me. Yeah. I think a, a piece of that too, is just that feeling of being so touched out, mm-hmm. you know? Oh my gosh. Live the groping. I'm like, you have got to leave my boobs alone. They are factory only. <laughs> like this is a factory now. We're not even here for the, this is the all business, stuff, like all business all the time, you know? And that's disappointing for yeah. them. Or even the simple stuff of like, I, I remember one day early on having to just hold my son pretty much the entire day because that's just what he needed that day. And, um, once my husband got home, I'm kind of like here and nobody touch me, please. <laughs> yeah. For like a good while until I'm ready. <laughs> that's totally in any capacity. <laughs> totally relatable. Totally relatable. You know, so yeah. yeah. I, I think that it's something that we really don't want to minimize. We want to make sure that we honor, that you get support, that you find friends to talk to about this because it is such a unique experience. And oftentimes we feel too much shame to, to air it out and to be authentic or transparent about these topics because of all the shoulds and both do. So, so yeah. on that, I thank you so much for being part of this series as a new mom. Um, your son is so lucky to have such a rad thank mom uh, in his quarter. And I just want to thank you all for tuning into this series. I know it's such an important topic. I know we missed so many things about being a new mom, like I said, and stay tuned for future episodes where we'll dig in deeper to some of these topics. But thank you again for being present with us. We hope that this helped you. And if you have questions or things you want to share, in, um, we'd love to hear from you in the comment section below. And we've got a few resources for you if you do need some support and some help also in the comments below. And so I just thank you for tuning in and have grace for yourself if you're a new mama and make sure that you lead with love because it'll never steer you wrong. 